Thank you for joining us for a message from the Christian Fellowship Church of Kandu, North Dakota. Please visit our website for more information about our church at kanducfc.com. So we're in our series right now that we're calling Emotional Wholeness. Last week, we began looking at some of the emotions that Jesus himself experienced so we can kind of get a grasp on how emotions are meant to be dealt with by a uh, a perfect example. God, obviously, through his son, showed us how to live with emotions. Jesus wasn't uh, exempt from experiencing the same things that we do, yet he experienced them and handled them all with, with perfect character, with perfect obedience to God. Uh, last week, it was all about joy, and we discovered that our joy, Jesus is teaching us, our greatest joy really comes from living our lives in alignment with him, not pursuing earthly opportunities or experiences to try to fill our lives with happiness, but joy is what it means to participate in the work of the kingdom of God. We're looking, we're going to look at something a little bit else today. It might be a little bit surprising. So let me ask you a question here. By show of hands, how many of you think, yes, em- exhaustion is an emotion? Okay. How many of you would say, no, Jeff, I don't think exhaustion is an emotion? No one wants to disagree with me. And how many of us are not sure what the question really means? Good. Okay. So t- let's talk about exhaustion just for a second. To be exhausted means to be drained of strength or energy, to feel depleted, fatigued, worn out, so that you feel like you have nothing left to give. So I want you to take 30 seconds, turn to the person beside you, and I want you to share a story with them about a time where you felt physically exhausted. Take no more than 30 seconds and then switch so the other person has a chance to share as well. should probably switch right about now if you haven't yet make sure the other person gets a chance to share their story all right all right now we're gonna we're gonna do another question where you need to talk with the person beside you but this time take 30 seconds to share about a story or share a story about a time when you felt mentally or emotionally exhausted. Same thing, each take a turn to share. Go for it. Good job, everybody. Good job. So we're trying to answer the question, is exhaustion an emotion? In either story that you just told the person beside you, if you were to look back, could you see that when you were exhausted, either physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever, could you see your emotional character, your emotional stability 
decrease as your exhaustion increased. Anyone just, would you agree with that statement? You could see that happening in your life? Yeah, for sure. I've experienced that as well. So maybe exhaustion isn't technically an emotion, but it would seem that exhaustion is at least an emotional experience. Can we agree on that? Okay, cool. So with that in mind, let's pray. And then we're going to try to look at exhaustion from Jesus's perspective so that we know what it is, how it affects us, when it enters our life, and then most importantly, how to answer it. Because I think that's probably the big one that we all want to learn. Lord God, as we talk about exhaustion, that is part of the human experience. I think every single one of us here, we've been exhausted or tired or worn out at one point in our lives or another, and maybe it happens to us often, and we're actually kind of sick and tired of being sick and tired, and we really would love some answers. As we open your word, as we turn to the pages of scripture and understand things from your point of view, would you correct us or change our hearts and minds so that we understand this with wisdom and knowledge from on high instead of just looking at it from a physical perspective. Thank you, Jesus, in advance for what you want to do this morning. Amen. All right. I believe that we can look at the Bible, and at times we're going to see that Jesus himself was exhausted. The Bible gives us plenty of indications that Jesus felt both physical and mental or, or emotional exhaustion at different times. One example is Matthew 4, verse 1 and 2. It says this, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. Understatement of the century, right? 40 days of fasting, yeah, you're going to be hungry. When you're hungry and you haven't eaten for 40 days, is it possible that your physical resources have been depleted? Okay, you're probably on the brink of exhaustion. So Jesus was tempted from, and while fasting for food. It's kind of like a double whammy. And it brought him to a point of weakness, physical and likely mental or emotional. At the end of this whole ordeal in the wilderness, verse 11 says that angels came and took care of Jesus. Why would he need that? Because he was exhausted, right? He was spent physically, emotionally, spiritually. It was a trying time for him those 40 days in the wilderness. Another time, Jesus left Judea to head north back to his home in the province of Galilee, approximately an 80-mile journey while Jesus and his disciples did this all by foot. At one point in their journey going through the province of Samaria, John 4 verse 6 says, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. This is just another example that the lifestyle that Jesus lived was physically exhausting. Later, Jesus receives news that one of his best friends, a relative of his actually, John the Baptist, had been executed. In Matthew 14, verse 13, it says, As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. Jesus was seeking time to be alone to mourn the loss of his dear friend, John the Baptist. But even at this time, Jesus was still pressed into action as people came looking for him. I'm sure that the toll on Jesus was great and he would have felt at the very least mentally exhausted by processing everything that he was going through. Listen to this story from Luke 8, verse 43 to 46. 
And a woman was there who, was, who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him, that's Jesus, and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. So as Jesus healed people, he could feel power going out from him. He spent his own power on other people so that he could heal them. So I don't know if it was a physical feeling or an emotional or spiritual feeling of power leaving him that Jesus felt. But nonetheless, Jesus's power was being spent in some way. Now consider this. Matthew 15 verse 30 says, Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. So if power went out from Jesus every time he healed someone, like took place when, he, when the woman touched the edge of his cloak, and she was healed, he healed everyone that a great crowd brought to him. He would have had much power go out from him in a short period of time. Jesus must have felt exhausted by power leaving him person after person after person. Often Jesus' own physical needs were put on hold for others. In Mark 6 verse 31 it says, Then because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. So here's a question I want to ask. In all these verses that we've looked at, what caused Jesus to be exhausted? It was the work of ministry. It was the work of following God, living in obedience to his will. It was him following the mission of the kingdom of heaven. It was him living for God, and that's what exhausted him at times. The passages that we just read revealed the intensity of the life of ministry that Jesus led. He was engaged in spiritual warfare. He endured physical, physically strenuous travel, emotional heartache, lack of privacy. His power was being used for others. He skipped meals and he relentlessly devoted himself to making sure people knew about the kingdom of God. This is what made up Jesus' life for three amazing years during his public ministry. And this gave Jesus, or this gave his whole life by, or Jesus gave his whole life by serving God and ministering to people. As a result, there certainly were times where he grew tired and weary. His physical, mental, emotional, and even spiritual reserves were running low because of all he did to give to the kingdom of God. So here's the question. Why does the cause of Jesus' exhaustion matter? Or why should it matter to us? Two reasons I want to highlight. First, if we are followers of Jesus, we're meant to live like Jesus did for, his, for God's glory. We're meant to follow Jesus' example and make time to do God's work in our lives, serving people, sharing the message of Christ, building up the church, and spreading the good news. Jesus actually said something really interesting in John 6, 27. He said, but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. So Jesus just told us what our energy should be given towards, things that result in eternal life from him. And the second thing is, when we see what Jesus' life was like, we quickly realize that it's actually okay or normal to be tired, 
weary and worn out by living with all our hearts for God. If living for God, God's glory tires you out, that's okay. That's maybe even something that we should take as a good sign. You're not weird as a Christian or bad or weak if you get tired from serving Jesus. Jesus was tired for the exact same reasons. Jesus gave himself fully to God in his life on earth. He worked steadily to promote God's kingdom and to reveal God the Father to the people all over Israel. He lived in perfect obedience to God because of his faithfulness to the Father. Sometimes Jesus felt exhausted. You know, I felt something similar at different times in my life. I am by no means comparing my work ethic to that of our Savior, but I think there's times when we feel similar to what Jesus did. Back when I was a youth pastor, I remember that our, our lead pastor, he came to me and he said, Hey, Jeff, in a couple Sundays from now, would you be willing to preach on Sunday morning? And I said, Sure, excited for that opportunity that I, I only got once in a while. But... If I was going to do that, I, I couldn't just, you know, say, well, I'm not going to be a youth pastor then between now and when I speak, you know, I still had all those responsibilities. I still had to plan youth group for the next couple of weeks, write messages for the youth nights. I had hours to give at the drop-in center that our church had trusted me to run and manage. And I had other responsibilities at church as well. Plus, I remember that the message I was working on for that Sunday was not coming together quite as easily as I hoped. And I remember that the Saturday right before I was slated to preach, I had taken my laptop home. And although I would rather have been spending that time with my wife and kids, I was working feverishly on this message, trying to put it together because I was really struggling to even think straight at this point. It had been very busy. I asked Karen if she would listen to the message to help me see if it sounded okay. And at the end of me essentially rehearsing the entire message to her, I turned to her with desperation in my voice and asked, did that make any sense? And she said, yeah, totally. And I immediately, uh, like no word of a lie, I immediately started to weep because I felt like I had nothing more to give. I felt so just emotionally tired and numb from those last two weeks. I was exhausted, and I felt like I was running on fumes. I preached in the two services at our church the next day, and wow, it was the last ounces of energy that I thought I had. So between what we've learned from Jesus' life, and even just from this story that I shared about my own life, we might be tempted to start thinking, whoa, Living for God like this sounds too hard and too exhausting. I'm not sure if that's what I want. But this is where we need to pause. We need to do a very quick self-evaluation. As Christians, we shouldn't be tired of living for God, but we should be tired from living for God. Do you see the difference in these two things? It's huge and very critical. Someone who is tired of living for God means that they probably don't want to serve him anymore, or at least with the, not the same degree of intensity or dedication that they had been. Someone who is tired from living for God is tired, yes, but they know that this is the satisfying and God-honoring purpose of their life. So don't answer this next question out loud, but just think about it for yourself. When was the last time that you were exhausted from serving God? I think the answer to this question can help us understand how aligned we've allowed ourselves to be with him. If we're tired, but it's 
rarely from doing the work that God has given us to do, perhaps that's an indication, like a little check engine-like kind of thing. Maybe we need to evaluate. Maybe we need to just see, man, am I aligned with God's purpose for my life? Is it 50% and 50% something else? What is it? Maybe it's, it's just an evaluation point. So, so here's the question. I think this is an important one because if we're, if we're going hard as a church after God, if we're, we're looking for opportunities at work and at home to minister to the people that God has put in our lives, if we want to share Jesus with them, and that's always on our mind and on our heart, and we're praying feverishly because we believe that God has put an urgency in our heart to pray for the people in our lives, and it causes us to be tired, that's okay. But then the question is, what do we do? When we're exhausted. Oh, I have a verse with that. That's good. Mark 6, verse 31. There's more to that verse that we read before. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So Jesus is teaching here in verse 12 that he and his 12 apostles, they felt exhausted because of the work of ministry And because of that, they decided that it was good. They recognized that it was okay for them to rest for a while. They didn't change vocations. They didn't say, I'm out. This Christian life is too much. They took time to rest. And why did they do that? So that they could keep serving God. You and I aren't designed to just go, go, go nonstop, right? Jesus was there at creation when humans were made. He knows that we require food and water and sleep and time off and refreshment. We don't have an endless source of energy. He designed us to have a rhythm where we work for his glory, we get tired, and then we pull back and rest for a little while so that we can regain energy and keep living for him. All right, so we see that Jesus valued rest, and he took time to rest. Obviously, if, if Jesus rested from ministry, but for ministry, we need to do the same thing. Here's a question. When you've come through a crazy week at work, maybe you've just been slammed, it's just been a very difficult week, and it's finally Friday, what's your go-to way of resting and relaxing on the weekend if you can afford to? What do you, what do you enjoy doing to get a little R&R in your life? Watch football. Take a nap. nap. Cook. Cook. Hunt. Hunting. I I, I like disc golf. I like going outside and doing stuff. Like it's it's done it's fun. It's different. Change of pace, right? Anyone else? Read? Hiking. Hiking. Nice. Fishing. Fishing. Interesting, a lot of things outside, hey? Have you noticed that? I like that. So for me, I I like to do a lot of these kinds of outside things too. I I just like a change of focus because, you know, like studying the Bible and meeting with people and using that, I don't know, right brain, left brain, I don't know which side it is, but that side of your brain, it's fun to do something else like creative. So I like working with my hands. I like doing projects in our garage or or outside. I like hanging out. Yeah, I said garage, not garage or whatever you guys (laughs) Get over yourselves. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I also say booger, not booger. So, all right. Uh, Yeah, I said booger. Okay. 
Anyway, back on the rails here. Uh, yeah, so I like, to do, I like to do different things that I wouldn't necessarily get to engage in during the regular week. That's why I have a pallet wood cabin on an abandoned farmyard west of town. Some of you know that, some of you don't, but it's, it's awesome to go out there where it's quiet, work with my hands, use the other part of my brain to like figure out how to improve this shelter, make it winterproof so I can go out there with the snowshoes I borrowed from Roger Scott and build a fire and survive. Like it's, it's fun actually, I like it. So I think all those kinds of things that we've mentioned are totally fine, but there's one other thing that I want us to consider here. Is there a specific way for Christians that we should be resting in that way, right? If we have been busy in our lives and, and trying to honor God, serve him, represent him, love him, to, to all the people around us, we're like this, uh, a beacon of light, right? Sharing his good news with others. What kind of rest is going to be the most beneficial for us to regain energy so that we can keep living the Christian life? I think what the things that we mentioned are part of it, for sure. But there's three other things that I, I think that we need to understand in order to answer this question. And these are the kinds of rest or the, the components of good rest that we should be pursuing. The first thing is regular rest. Jesus knew everything about the law of God and he knew that the law was very good. And he was there when in Exodus 20, God gave the law to the Israelites and we get this, the 10 commandments, which are the heart or the center of God's moral law. Commandment number four in the heart of God's moral law is about rest. Exodus 20 verse 11 or eight to 11 says, remember to observe, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord, your God on that day. No one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. So the word Sabbath, we say, okay, so it's a Sabbath day of rest. What does the word Sabbath mean? The, Sabbath, the word Sabbath literally means cease from working. That's it. Very simple, right? So God gives us six days in the week to work, but he also gave us a weekly day of rest for our own good. God knows that we live in a physical world and we are susceptible to looking to this physical world to meet all of our needs. But when we take a day each week to rest, which for us in the New Testament, typically that day falls on Sunday. For me, I take Monday because obviously I'm working today. It helps us to slow down. It helps us to remember that it's God who meets all of our needs. If all we did was work at our jobs and every single day looked exactly the same like every other day, it's possible that we'd wear ourselves out. We'd begin to lose focus on God and we'd no longer see him as the one who sustains us. This is why regular or scheduled rest is good for God's people. The second thing is, in addition to regular rest, is to consider personal rest. In Luke 5, verse 16, it says, But Jesus would often go to some place where he could be alone and pray. So Jesus knew that his own personal time of rest with God was critical for his life 
and for the ministry that God had given him. He passed this idea on to us when he said in John 15, verse 4, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit or live for God in a productive way if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. So Jesus is telling us how vital our personal connection is to him. We must remain connected to him like a branch is connected back to a vine. If we are severed from God, we cannot be fruitful ministers for God. I think personal rest that enables us to remain with God is daily taking time to just be with Jesus. A lot of Christians, we call this time where we we set it aside to be with Jesus, we call it our devotional time or our quiet time. Whatever you want to call it, that's fine. But these times are restful because they are used to read the Bible, to pray to God, to listen to God for leadership in our lives and direction. It's restful because we're not focusing on the obligations and the responsibilities of the day yet. We're not distracted by media or people or our own responsibilities. It's restful because it's time set aside for just for, just for you and me or us and God to spend intentional time with Jesus like two close friends making time for their relationship to grow closer, to be reestablished and strengthened. So here's a question. For those of you who have tried something like a devotional time like that I just described, how many of you would say that at times you have felt rejuvenated or re-energized from that time that you took to spend alone with Jesus? Yeah. Absolutely. It's it's not a surprise that I see that many hands going up because that's what God designed it to be. He knows that we need him. Our, Our living and our being, it comes from him. He's our source and our goal, right? Like everything that we need for this life, it comes from him. So it would make sense that we feel replenished when we make time to just remain, be with God. Third thing that I want to highlight here is we've we've talked about regular rest, personal rest, but now also purposeful rest. In Mark 1, it's the Sabbath day, Saturday in the Jewish culture. Jesus and his disciples are at the synagogue in the town of Capernaum, and Jesus spends some time in the synagogue teaching. Then a man in the synagogue who is possessed by an evil spirit cries out, and Jesus tells the spirit to be quiet and come out of that man. The spirit obeys and the man is set free. The people who are at the synagogue that day, they're all amazed at the authority that Jesus has, both in his teaching and in his ability to cast out evil spirits. So let me continue this story of this Jesus operating on the Sabbath here on Mark, from Mark 1, verse 29 to 39. It says this, After Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's house. These are all disciples of Jesus. Now Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. They told Jesus about her right away. So he went to her bedside, took her by the hand, and helped her up. Then the fever left her, and she prepared a meal for them. That Saturday eve- or that evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases. He cast out many demons, but because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. Okay, this is one day. Sounds like a busy day. Would you agree? Yeah, 
Jesus is busy with what? Serving the Lord, doing the work of ministry, living his life devoted to his father. From morning to evening, Jesus has been living his life focused on God and representing him, revealing him to the people in Capernaum. This day seems to have actually gotten busier the later it got. It was only after sunset, because it was a Sabbath, they weren't allowed to travel and do certain things. So it was only after sunset, after the Sabbath ended, that the crowds began to come to Jesus and ask him to heal. It says the whole town was there. Even in a small town, imagine if all of Kandu showed up at CFC one Sunday because they're like, we just need prayer for something. And, and they're saying, can you guys all pray for us? Even if we divided the whole town of Kandu up amongst the 80-ish people that are here today, it'd be a long day, right? Like we'd be busy, emotionally drained, physically drained, because we're probably standing on our feet, moving around. Do you, have you had prayer? Have you been loved yet? We're, we're coming. Just stay right there. We'll come to you. You can't move. You're in a wheelchair. No problem. We'll come. Right? And, and we'd be tired. Jesus had the whole town come just to him. This activity would have gone easily late into the night. But listen to what the next verses says from this passage. Verse 35. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Yes, it was likely a late night for Jesus with all the healing that was going on, but still early The next day, before the sun even came up, Jesus woke up, found a place to himself, and made time to pray. We see here that Jesus rested by sleeping. Yes, he probably slept a little bit that night. But he also rested by connecting with his father through prayer. Verse 36, later Simon and the others went to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. Who is everyone? Likely the people who were healed last night have gone home and they've told their friends and their family and their neighbors. And now they too were coming to find Jesus. Where's this healer? He healed my friend. I need him as well, right? Maybe neighboring towns or villages, the word had spread quickly. So the demands on Jesus are great, yet he still makes time to pray and rest with his father. Listen to Jesus' response to his disciples when they say that everyone's looking for you. Verse 38. But Jesus replied, we must go to other towns as well. And I will preach to them too. This is why I came. So he traveled through the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. So from this sequence of events, we can see that Jesus rested because he understood his purpose here on earth. He knew that he was here, what he was here to do, and he made sure to rest appropriately so that he could preach to people all over Galilee and eventually the rest of Israel. So our exhaustion as Christians is meant to drive us deeper into the will of, and the heart of God. As we give our lives to Jesus more and more in obedience, we are going to quickly discover that we need to rest with Jesus consistently in order to adequately be replenished, re-energized, and maintain the life of faith that we want to have. In Psalm 62, verse 1, the psalmist writes, Truly my soul finds rest in God. I think there's so many people in this world today whose souls are restless They are looking for meaning and purpose and peace in so many things. But Jesus says peace isn't in being lazy. 
Peace isn't in relaxing. Peace isn't in minimizing your obligations. But peace is in Him. Rest for our soul, the center of our being, comes from the one who we claim our faith is in. And Jesus demonstrated this idea for us so well. When a Christian is exhausted in this life, we need to turn to God. Our rest will only be found completely in him. A couple other small points I want to share here as we're, we're coming to the end here. Rest with God and rest for God is superior to the alternative, which would be rest apart from God and for ourselves. When we rest with God, he fills us with what we need to keep living the purpose of our lives. When we just sack out on the couch or or scroll through our phones or, or watch TV because we're tired or movies or anything like that, we're not actually being filled with much of anything that will result in us being re-energized or motivated to live for God. Can you see what I'm saying here? Media, there's some that's good, but there's a lot that just is a drain on us more than it is a source of energy. Ask yourself, what do you gain from the ways that you typically rest? I think most media, and this, I, I talk about media because I think it's, it's an all-consuming thing in our culture. I think most media doesn't do a lot for us. So we need to be careful if that's our default method of resting. I will acknowledge that there are excellent Christian podcasts and messages and, and worship music and even movies that are at the very least motivational for the Christian life. But media on its own will never replace quiet devotional time with God where we get into the word, we pray, we seek the face of our Savior, right? So for me, on tom- well, tomorrow, one thing that, that Karen and I often do is we have a couple of churches that we follow, we enjoy that their pastor's teaching, and I'm a pastor, but I still need someone to pastor me, right? So I, I enjoy watching messages from a couple of uh, pastor friends of mine. We also listen to an excellent Christian podcast that really challenges us in our faith and motivates us to, to not slow down, to not, you know, get weak, but to be urgent. We pray together, we read the Bible together, we testify to one another because all those practices, they boost us in our faith. They re-energize us because they are a spiritual practice and we are spiritual beings who need that kind of restoration. Okay, I don't know, I didn't know what to call this next section, so I'm calling it warning time. It's not as ominous as it sounds. One thing I want to warn us against is this. I don't think it's necessarily the correct response to hear that we've talked about exhaustion today and and then the rest that we need and, and then jump to this place. Well, I know what I'll do. I'll protect myself and set up some boundaries in my life. I'll learn to say no to some of the things that God is asking me to do that could make me tired so that I won't become exhausted in the first place, right? It's actually easy for us to go there. And a lot of Christians, we've heard this thing about boundaries and we need to be very careful. Yes, boundaries are healthy, but I think boundaries are also something that we can use as an excuse to prevent us from doing the will of God. Here's why I think we need to be warned against doing this. I can't find a single example from Jesus's life of him saying, oh, I know, I'll just prevent myself from doing ministry so I won't get tired. I never see that in Jesus's life. I I don't see any place in the Gospels where Jesus avoids people or who want to get close to him because it might tire him out 
or because it might make him too busy or because he knows, man, that's going to be exhausting, right? And if we rely on our own boundaries to protect us from exhaustion, I think we're actually going to become exhausted from maintaining those boundaries. It's like making rules for ourselves on top of the things that God wants us to do in our life. And when we're so busy focusing on, on God's good commands, plus all of our own man-made religious rules, we're probably going to become exhausted just from that. And that would really defeat the purpose. Plus, When we rely on our own boundaries to protect us from exhaustion, we're trusting in ourselves more than we're trusting in God's ability to replenish us from exhaustion. Have you ever thought about that? That's kind of like a false idol in our life. First commandment is you shall have no other gods before me. If our God is our schedule and our boundaries that we we hold to religiously so that we don't get tired, God doesn't have an opportunity to truly lead us. Plus, plus, Jesus is looking for people who are going to find ways to say yes to him. Just look at what Jesus says in Matthew 4.19. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. Jesus asks us to follow him. Fishing for people is Jesus' way of saying, I'll show you how to lead people to the father. That's what the followers of Jesus are meant to do. And in Matthew 16, verse 24, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. So giving up our own way and taking up our cross speaks to a willingness to sacrifice. Not to protect ourselves, but to actually sacrifice for the good and the glory of the kingdom of God. To give time and effort for God, even if it costs us energy and brings us to exhaustion at times. I think Jesus demonstrated this life of giving himself away time and time and time again. Yet he was never without the energy he needed for the next moment where he would give himself away. It wasn't because he protected his schedule and set up boundaries in his life. It was because he was intimately connected to his father. And if Jesus wasn't ministering for God's glory, he was resting and being replenished in God's presence. I think that what we've seen today is the emotional effects of exhaustion. It can certainly take its toll on us, but if we don't We don't need to to fear exhaustion. We don't have to worry about it or like be overwhelmed in it. We just need to see how exhaustion is meant to help us see our need for restful intimacy with Jesus. So my challenge for you would be this. Karen, you can come up. We're, We're done here in just a minute. My challenge would be this. Perhaps today... Before the the busyness of the week carries us away, right? And and we're focused on our jobs or careers or, or responsibilities and things like that. Maybe it would be good for us to just sit quietly with the Lord and say, God, you know what? Have I built up barriers in my life because I think I need to protect myself from exhaustion? I know that you, you got exhausted at times and we see that it drove you to the father I don't know, maybe I need something in my life that's going to drive me more into your presence. Maybe God revealed to me somewhere where I can be fruitful for you. And I'm actually going to embrace the tiredness that could come along with that because that will reveal to me, oh yeah, I'm doing something that matters. It's driving me back into the presence of my Father so that I can be replenished and intimately connected with Him. Perhaps that's just a worthwhile 
conversation or prayer time for us to have. Let me, let me pray for us. Lord God, I thank you that you didn't hide all of the nitty-gritty parts of Jesus' life from us, but you actually revealed that in his life, he experienced the same things as us, exhaustion being one of them. So Lord, I pray that we would not be scared of that. Help us not to fear being eager and urgent in our work for you. And I pray that you would reveal to us that you love meeting with us. You love being our source of strength. Help us to not fear coming to you for our needs being met, but seeing that that's actually the good and and Christ-like example that we should be following. Amen.